Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. This is a Rogue Media Network podcast. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Max Olson, TheAthletic.com, pinned at his top of his Twitter feed as the story. He and Bruce Feldman, TheAthletic.com, surveying 50 FBS coaches on the Michigan allegations, joins us, Paul Craig and Smokey. Thank you, Max, as always. Great weekend coming up again in college football. Your thoughts, what, what was the overall feeling about the Michigan story and what the coaches you surveyed thought? Yeah, appreciate you guys having me on, as always. You know, I think we've moved past the – the point of kind of, okay, what is signal ceiling? Is it, you know, is that something a lot of people are doing? How does it work? I, I think we've certainly moved on to the outrage phase of this. Uh, when you actually talk with coaches and, you know, we talked, we, we weren't just like trying to like pick the brains of coaches in the big 10 who were affected by this. We talked to coaches in all 10 FBS conferences and asked them what they really thought of this issue. And, um, you know, just kind of what, how, how they took that news. And I think that uh, the big takeaway certainly is that, uh, 94% of the coaches we talked to uh, felt that Michigan should be punished. Um, most of them felt that this was a pretty serious thing and that it would give Michigan, as good as Michigan is, as, as great a job as they've done in recruiting and developing and, and, and building really physical teams under Jim Harbaugh, uh, he talked to coaches uh, who, who were just stunned that they, this was even going on and really have not heard of this going on in other places. You know, the, the, the sense from them really is that this is a dramatic advantage. I mean, I even talked to a few guys who were previously signal stealers who, you know, one described it as shooting fish in a barrel. If you have that kind of intel on in your opponent, um, that like, unlike anyone else. And I, you're seeing, you know, the reaction today from, from Big Ten uh, coaches and leaders um, really pushing Tony Petiti to do something about this. Um, don't know if that's going to happen, but I think you, you, we, we really wanted to get a, the sense of just what the coaching industry thinks of this story and um, how, you know, you talked to lots of head coaches. We talked to 13 over the course of, the, of all those interviews and very few of them believe that Jim Harbaugh has plausible deniability just based on the facts they've read it so far. And, uh, you know, a lot to play out here, but certainly I think the coaching industry is, uh, is pretty shocked what's going on and, and says, this is, uh, this is not no big deal. This is very serious in their business and, and uh, among the worst cheating they could think of. Yeah, the, the plausible deniability thing, Max, was one of the things that, that jumped out at me in that, you know, there were six coaches that said yes, I think, right, to that one. Then made me wonder, like, well, why why would you think that? Because does he think that, you know, this kid is just coming to him and like, man, this kid's just good. Like, holy cow. Like, that, this, <laughs> like nobody's that lucky, right, that you would, you would just, like, find this kid who loves Michigan football more than oxygen that's doing this for you, and he's just this diamond in the rough. Yeah, I, I think that that's when you when you talk it out with coaches. Um, obviously, they're they're a lot more well versed on on how the sidelines work than I am. And you know, I think they're saying that when they watch these these clips and they see these pictures and stuff, it's like, why is the guy that works in the recruiting office standing right next to the head coach and the defensive coordinator and having such a significant role? To them, that's like kind of a red flag. And then you just feel like, 
if this kid was providing this this really you know game changing intel, I, I think other coaches just have a hard time being like, wait, you wouldn't be like, hey, so where did this come from? Like, I think you, you see it obviously that intel is is being fed into how you practice during the week and, and the game plan you take into the opponent and stuff. And so and I think it's, it's, you know, a lot of coaches are just very skeptical, even though, look, Michigan's a big organization, a big operation with a lot of staff members. You talk to some coaches who are like, yeah, I mean, realistically, look, I don't know everything that goes on my program. I wish I did. It kind of scares the crap out of you that you don't. But I, I think that's where some coaches are like, I can kind of understand that piece of it. But in terms of the role that he was playing for their team, right in front of the head coach on the sideline during games. It's hard to say. I, I just had no idea any of this stuff was going on. So, Max, do you expect anything to come from this? I mean, I know the NCAA's got, you know, things that I, I suppose they can do, but um, it's a lot of, he said, a lot of accusations. I mean, what's kind of the, the path forward as far as sorting through some of this? And, you know, for those who yeah. think, like, hey, Michigan's going to get penalized, or they'll, you know, how, how do you think this all works sort of moving forward? Yeah, I mean, certainly – you know, on the, you know, you saw Boo Corrigan and the CFP come out and say, this is an NCAA issue. We, we just focus on what happens on the field. I think the CFP doesn't feel like there's any reason why they should leave Michigan out of things. Uh, the NCAA is going to have to go through their regular process on this stuff with a notice, notice of allegations and all that kind of stuff. I think everybody kind of assumes, you know, the NCAA certainly is not proven it can move at an expedited pace on, on important stuff like this. I think the real question and why you're seeing this pressure being applied by um, people in the Big Ten, it's just, you know, the conference can act. Um, now, the conference doesn't have investigators and doesn't, you know, you could argue definitely that their hands are tied on this kind of stuff. Um, but, you know, I think the the argument, and I've heard this from a few people that have worked in the Big Ten or currently work in the Big Ten, is like, look, this is the, the conference that's supposed to be all about sportsmanship and integrity and doing things the best way and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, this is a different problem. If, you know, it, when you have recruiting allegations, so you, you it's tough to just say like, oh yeah, they were doing this stuff in recruiting and therefore they won these games. It's like, this is, this is pretty literal. This is pretty, I mean, it's straight up. If, if there were 2023 games that Connor Stallions and his people attended and gathered the video from, then that affected this season, you know? And I think that's kind of the argument uh, from a lot of people in the big 10 that uh, you have to take action. And I've talked to plenty who think that Michigan should not be allowed to play in the big 10 title game. And that doesn't mean they, couldn't make the CFP theoretically, but ultimately do I think the Big Ten will take action and, and block them from going to the title game? Not really, not at this point. I mean, we, we've still got a long month ahead to get this stuff all kind of figured out and for more details to emerge. But uh, certainly I, you can kind of understand why people in the conference, it's not just a, a dislike of Jim Harbaugh. It's like, hey, this literally messed with games we're playing this season. Yeah, Max, if in fact, let's say the Big Ten was to come through and, and make a ruling, and, and do something that would penalize Michigan or whoever, uh, wouldn't they just file an injunction and we'd end up, like, seeing that roll through the next five, six, seven weeks? Yeah, I mean, it's a good point. Um, you know, when, when you're asking them to do something that there isn't any precedent for, then certainly that, that would be the thing that, uh, that Michigan could threaten to do. And, you know, I, that's, that's where I think a lot of people look at this stuff and just say, man, it's, it's frustrating that, uh, you know, Jim Harbaugh and Michigan have three different like issues going on right now. And it doesn't, you know, I think a lot of coaches are just frustrated. There's really no accountability on this stuff. And I think a lot of people probably look at this stuff and, and just assume that, you know, Jim Harbaugh will bounce to the NFL at the end of the season if, uh, you know, if things get a little bit too hot here. But, um, you know, I, I think the systems in place here in, in college athletics 
are not meant to like respond to the stuff and, 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 uh, you know, stop, <laughs> stop, uh, you know, I don't want to say crimes, but stop violations that are happening, you know, live in the middle of the season. If you had to pick which game to watch, uh, what would it be Bedlam or K-State, Texas? Yeah, I mean this weekend is loaded uh, in yep. terms of the TV schedule. I, I I think that I'm probably a little more intrigued by Texas K State just because I think those might be the two best teams in the Big Twelve, um, and, and I think I'm I'm very curious to see if they'll play like it. Um, this is a big spot for Malik Murphy and for the Texas offense, and you know I think that that K State uh, has gotten on a nice roll here and, and is playing with a ton of confidence and. I know Texas has kind of had their number lately, but, uh, man, I, I think this would be – if Texas can survive this game by really by any margin, I think it would be pretty impressive in, in terms of the statement they're making about being a playoff contender. Um, and I think K-State certainly will have a chance in this game. Bedlam, you know, there's a lot of things that – a lot of reason to like Oklahoma State in the matchup this time. But Oklahoma <laughs> – talk about having someone's number. I mean, it's just hard to bet against Oklahoma in this game as much as it's going to be an incredible atmosphere – uh, in Stillwater and you know a lot of hate on both sides there but this is a certainly a get right game for Oklahoma and, and I'm sure that uh, uh, it's very important to Brent Venables how his team's respond to this one. Max um, if Oklahoma and Texas both lose do you think that eliminates them mm. both from the Big 12 title game? Ooh good question I have not I have not, you know, gosh, we just turned in November, man. I haven't busted out the calculator yet on all the tiebreakers and building out all the tables yet. But I think, I think that certainly if they both lose, which is not impossible, then we're going to have the kind of big 12 race where you're going to have a ton of teams tied uh, the rest of the way. And then it comes down to who beat who and a lot of tiebreakers and and chaos. And, you know, I think that probably would be a pretty fitting ending to this version of the big 12. I can kind of see that happening, but. Yeah, I hadn't considered that, but you're right. I think there'd be a bunch of teams, you know, including like Iowa State and Kansas and some other ones, and they're kind of feeling like we got a chance here. Tiebreakers, just wait until the new schedules. I mean, that they're rolling oh. out here with, you know, you used to have the head-to-heads to go to. Like, forget all that, huh? I mean, like these new Big Ten schedule, the Big 12 schedule, it's, it's, it, it's a lot to wrap your head around. Guys, I was looking at the, uh, the Oregon schedule that just came out an hour ago or so. Mm-hmm. And I know we like know why these things happen, but it's hard to look at that schedule just with a straight face and look at the logos on the schedule and just be like, "Oh man, we're really doing this? Yeah, this yeah. is crazy. Yeah, yeah. I know. It's just going to be weird to watch. I mean, great, great in a lot of ways, but it's just you know, I don't know. It's just a little bizarre when you go look at an Oregon schedule and it's like, oh yeah, there's that stretch where they play Illinois, Michigan, Maryland, Wisconsin. That's cool. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I, I, I know it's, there's a feeding frenzy like piranhas or fire ants when something's dropped in near a fire ant pile, but it all seems to be kind of an adrenaline rush now. And along the way, not get off my lawn, but, man, we're losing these traditional rivalries. And I, you wonder where yeah. we are in five years or it won't matter because even more money and even a bigger playoff. Well, and I'm, I'm not knocking it or anything, but when you guys saw the big post schedule stuff this week, it is a little jarring to realize, like, man, Maybe there are only like four or five rivalries in this league, you know, Absolutely. moving forward, right? Yep. Yep. It's not that long of a list, sadly. Yeah, I mean, everybody went crazy over Farmageddon. I mean, that was the one, I guess, Max, that, you know, people could point to and say, hey, you're ruining 100 and, you know, whatever plus years here. But be- beyond that, sure. like, I mean, do we have to have But you were hearing like West Virginia, Cincinnati people being like, what the hell's going on here? You know what I mean? Like, right. it's just there's not that many other like 
and, and we'll, that, that'll build over time, but you're right. I think you feel, and that's not the fault of the Big 12. Ultimately, Texas and Oklahoma leaving affects that in a big way. But, man, yeah, it, it does kind of bum me out to think, like, honestly, how long is it going to take for, for us to get another Bedlam game? Yeah. Yeah. And Max, although, like, I do think that the Big 12 is learning from the mistakes the Pac-12 made. Like, they, they tried to make Colorado and Oregon a thing. And they, you know, for yeah. years, they're like, hey, Colorado and Oregon. And both sides are like, yeah. Yeah. Well, we were playing it, but, you know, they seem nice. I don't care. Whatever. Right. Yeah, I, it's, it, it's going to be interesting to see if anybody can. I mean, I, I think all the Big 12 teams next year will will certainly get up for the Dion game and look forward to playing Colorado and stuff. But, uh, yeah, hopefully we can we can get some, uh, some good old-fashioned hate created in some of these matchups. Like, you guys remember the, the Baylor-Iowa State brawl a couple of years ago? Like, can we just get some of those kinds of things going where <laughs> – it turns into like, oh, man, those coaching staffs really don't like each other. Yeah, yeah. no, yeah. And, and that's kind of become a little bit nasty. Of course, TCU-Baylor makes a lot of sense, even uh, with yeah. the games we've seen and, and some of the drama around it. Um, all right, so... Should they have protected the butt bowl, you guys think? Yeah. No. yeah well, yeah, I yeah. mean, like, that's what I was saying is, you know, Farmageddon, I can understand the outrage. The butt bowl, like, I, uh, I, I could see where you'd kind of... But I, I saw somebody bring up a good point, Max, is like, you don't want to force new rivalries, but you kind of do need to create them. Like, because you yeah. don't have a lot of the, the, the ones to rely on now. Like, Bedlam's going away, like you mentioned. I mean, every game felt like a rivalry game when somebody was playing Oklahoma and Texas from their perspective, right? So... You kind of do right. have to throw some new matchups at the wall and hope that somehow Arizona and Texas Tech turns into Iowa State and, and Baylor as far as the hatred goes. No, 100%. That's the right way to put it. Like, I, you, you wouldn't call these, like, you know, rivalries by name that have their own Wikipedia pages and stuff like that. But, like, man, you know, certainly any of the in-state schools against Texas, like, felt like something a little bit different. Like, I think because it was just so easy to hate Texas and hate Oklahoma – um, you know, even if they weren't full-on rivalries, like you just had a lot of games that everyone kind of really looked forward to as like kind of a rivalry, like kind of like a, this would mean a lot to us if we won this kind of game. And, uh, you know, we, we, we really don't know who the new powers of the future Big 12 are going to be. It's going to be very interesting to find that out next year. Max, uh, I know we got to let you go here in a second, but I want to ask you, is there much uh, talk about the B word right now in Lincoln, Nebraska, B? As in bowl, uh, being at five and three, got Michigan State coming up. It's been a little while since uh, they went to the postseason. What's just kind of the temperature around Matt Rule and company right now? Yeah, I you know I think it's uh, pretty positive. Certainly, when you've had the kind of win streak they've had, they've won three in a row. I believe they've won five of their last six. Um, you know, it's just the kind of thing that you guys watch firsthand. Of like, man, they're just playing really confident football. It's pretty messy at times. They had a ton of turnovers and. A uh, ton of injuries, a lot of stuff that hasn't gone right, but uh, I think it's the right coaching staff at the right time for this program. And, and yeah, you're right. It's um, you know this is the the Power Five program that has waited the longest to go back to a bowl game. And uh, you know with Michigan State up next, feel feel pretty good about their chances there. Um, I don't think people here are jumping to conclusions too much and saying, hey, this thing, you know, this team can win the Big Ten West necessarily, but. You know, you've still got Wisconsin and Iowa ahead of you. So, like, you've got a chance to at least play for those kinds of games here if you can keep this thing rolling. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's been – uh, despite a lot of things that have been challenging, uh, it's pretty impressive results in year one for Matt Rule and his crew. And speaking of uh, Nebraska, the second half of that Big Ten schedule next year looks pretty salty, does it not? With uh, at Ohio State, UCLA, at USC, Wisconsin, at Iowa, uh, all to close the year. So that, that'll that be fun for, for Rule and Man, 
for and, and man, for all those Big Ten West schools too, it's a whole new world. It's a much tougher schedule, and there's no just automatic bid for the best West team into the, the title game. Yeah, so that's right. It, you are gonna fight and, and scratch and claw to uh, to get to the top there. Thank you very much, Max. Great stuff for you and Bruce uh, on the uh, in the athletic on the story involving Michigan, the survey, and more. Every Thursdays at four. Great to have. Max Olson, national senior national columnist for the Athletic.